on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. It's one of the toughest things that I had to understand the process of letting people do their thing and they probably wouldn't do it the same way I would. It's one of the toughest things to do as a leader, especially like this being your baby. I always say there's two things that people don't really understand is you protect your business and you protect your family. Those are the two things that when you have this, that's what you're essentially... It's the survival mode in you, for sure. Yeah. And so you can't control everything. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. I'm your host. Today, I've got Ben Labra here on the King stage. Ben, my brother, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Chaz. I appreciate it. It's great to be here. Well, we appreciate you being here. I know that I know that it's not the easiest thing to do to peel away from a, a wonderful organization, but sometimes it's what we got to do to serve others. So we appreciate that. Ben, tell us Absolutely. what kind of business that you got, brother. Well, Jester is sort of the new gift giving application or the easiest way gift gives. That's the best way to kind of put it is we basically just sort of condensed a bunch of different types of methods, such as sending flowers, bottle of bubbly wine, I mean, some sweets into that whole process and just put it into the, the form of an app, a mobile app. And whenever something comes up, such as an anniversary, birthday, promotion, or just, just because we basically have given people the way to, to just go to the app and press one button, put in either a phone number or an email address and click next and send. And, and it's that simple. So we've basically just sort of Uberized the gifting process. The coolest part to that whole thing is that you don't need an address anymore. You don't need personal or private information. You can just use someone's email or phone number. And if you don't have that, uh, you have them on DM, such as through LinkedIn or, or any uh, messaging platform or dating app. You can actually just, uh, you can actually send a, send a gift right through a DM, as they say, slide into the DMs. It's that, it's that simple, that easy, that cool. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the simple and easy, I get it. But that last part, that cool, like that totally sounds like a move that I would make if I was on a dating app. Now, I haven't been dating for a long time. I've been married to my wife almost 15 years. We, we dated for three years before that. We got married when I was 12. Not really, but basically. So it's been a long time, but I think that that would be, that would be, a, that'd be a move that I would think I would make. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a pretty popular feature in the app currently. I mean, it's just people don't like giving out their personal info, but yet, you know, someone still wants to make that sort of yeah. wow. that message like, hey, I want to take you out. And yeah, it's the easiest way to do it. Gesture is sort of built for that. It's pretty cool. I I love I love the angle because yeah gift giving is huge obviously off air we talked about just my history with edible arrangements obviously that's a big deal anniversaries birthdays all the things right but the angle that you've taken I think is super creative and it lines up with with Gen X right <laughs> Gen, and Gen, Gen X Z. yeah and Gen Z yeah mm-hmm. well that's what I mean sorry mm-hmm. Gen Z yeah Gen X is probably that's me yeah, <laughs> yeah I was gonna say that no that's there yeah no they're <laughs> but they're, hey, Facebook, uh, they're yeah. probably a good 20, 25% of our user base, actually. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I was going to say that's that's probably more of a of an edible arrangements target is you know the you know the Gen X <clears throat> the Gen X mom you know really let's just be honest like they're the ones organizing all the gifts for the family. So sure. okay the 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 technology play right taking an industry that's years old we love to give gifts and you're you're uberizing it I love that that language at this level I want to know before we kind of get into the history of how you built this why you built it that type of thing. I want to know a different why. I want to know your why. Like you're at this level, you've had a, some some uber success to play on your words. Why are you doing this? Why are you still doing it? What's the bigger picture for you? Yeah, so I mean, I, I think the common answer is to solve a problem is, is sort of the, the typical textbook entrepreneur sort of answer. But I think it stems all the way back to the time that I was probably 13 or 14 years old, you know, just sort of growing up in a single parent household and really seeing my mom, you know, work three jobs. And, you know, I, I think there's, you know, if I had to kind of narrow it down, I mean, I saw my mom work three jobs to kind of keep a roof over our head. And, and it was, you know, then, you know, I wish, I mean, I don't know what I didn't know then now, but I mean, it's, it was kind of like, I've never saw her sort of rewarded, you know, where people were able to send flowers because then it was extremely expensive. You have to call the phone number, look through a catalog. And it's the senior work three jobs and, and, and keep a roof over our head as I was growing up. It, it taught me sort of the hustle mentality of, of working hard. But at the same time, like, you know, it was just the reward factor of like, I, I wish there was just an easy way even at, at, at that time to send her some sort of gesture of an appreciation and so that's that's kind of where this started in terms of why and then as you know the industry evolved and you know you you can sort of like kind of fast forwarding throughout the years you 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 can get anything at the the tap of a button or a click of a remote um you know i was telling someone the other day you know i i remember when i was a kid watching just like basic cable and i was like wish there's a a way that you can order a movie just tapping a button and, and any movie you wanted and it's, it's here. <laughs> you can do that now. But I was just like, those are things that I thought about back in, in the past is how, how can we really streamline this process and make it extremely easy yeah. and simplistic. So yeah, I think there's, there's a bunch, but I, I would have to sort of say that it goes back to, to that sort of just way of being able to reward people or, you know, show appreciation in just a much easier way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. I love it. Yeah. And the it's convenience, right? Like that's, that's, that's where technology comes in is that, we, as humans, we demand a higher and higher and higher level of convenience and which forces a tech play like this to come in. I don't want to make a phone call. I don't want to have to look through a catalog. I want to be able to jump on my app and, and pick out something and send it without even knowing their address. Mm-hmm. Speaking, speaking of which, kind of funny story, when I do get people that call and they want to send something, you wouldn't believe the, <laughs> the number of people that call that do not know the address. Yeah. They say, oh, well, it's over at this so-and-so. And I go, okay, um, you, you'd like us to deliver it there, right? Do you, do you have an right. address? <laughs> right. Or the amount of people that call to say, hey, Jeff, what's your address? And you're not working from, you know, an office location anymore. You're working from home. So, you know, you, right. you might have done is you might have done a ton of business together, but it's still kind of weird to give out your home address to someone that, really don't know but at the same time they they, they mean nothing but but good things and you know good intention sure. but it's yeah. weird to give out your home address to someone that 
you're just essentially in business with, right? It's, it's, right. it's one of those things that, you know, we're privacy focused. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Okay. So let's go a little bit more practical here. As you've been building this business, maybe especially early on, let me know of a good decision. Tell the, tell the audience something that you did that you just do it over and over again. It was such a clean decision, something that they can implement in their business. Yeah. So I, I think one of the things that comes to mind, just really thinking through the process was during the pandemic, right at the beginning of the pandemic. So I, I, re, you know, I, I do some guest lecturing, different schools and you know, things like that. And one of the things that's always asked is, you know, when do you really know, you know, a lot of founders sort of start a business and they sort of adopt this title of founders, CEO, CEO, I call myself a CEO, but it's not until you really are faced with a CEO type of decision where, you know, I, I always recommend to founders, I'm like, don't call yourself a CEO until you've actually earned that title. And that's only something that you can essentially promote yourself to, I guess. And and sure. what I mean by that is, you know, in these sort of businesses, the reason why you're a CEO is you've got to make CEO types of decisions. And going into that, you know, at the beginning of the, I remember we had raised some capital, you know, things were starting to sort of move through the process. We were in, I think, two cities at the time. We had started in New York when Gesture first launched. And then, you know, we started to make our way through LA and Denver. And then, you know, became came March, beginning of March of 2020. And, you know, everything was like, hey, everyone's got to go home, you know, shutting down. And New York was one of those cities that was hit hard. But I, I remember, you know, the first couple of weeks, um, I just, I, I jumped on so many podcasts and I attended so many online sort of just like these types of like guest exhibits where you're listening to VCs talk. And I remember about 90% of it, the stuff that I heard from VCs and even our own investors that, you know, just conserve, cut, you know, just, you know, lay off and try and ride this out. We're not sure where this is going to go. Funds are going to dry up. And that was sort of the, the kind of advice that, you know, startups, especially early startups were getting. And uh, the, yeah. the decision that I had to make at that time was I had to essentially roll the dice and decide whether or not we were going to cut. You know, I think at the time, Gesture had about 60-ish people that were working for the company at the time. And so every, I would say about 95% of those people were in-house. They were in, in one of our offices in New York. So we were just pretty massive. And I remember I had to make a decision on where to reallocate source resources to, and or if we were just going to cut back. And so I remember there were two things that I did. Instead of cutting staff, we've done, we did, we did sort of the complete opposite. I ended up taking my salary and reducing it down to almost nothing. And the same thing with one of my co-founders, we both agreed to that. And then what we did is we took what we were, and we weren't getting paid a ton of money. It was like 30,000 bucks a year or something like that. And so what we did is we took that and we ended up hiring um, a ton of salespeople to come in and make phone calls. And then I invested into better technology, CRM technology, at the time, I think it was HubSpot at the time, but basically like what we did is, is we essentially hired a bunch of sales. I think we, we doubled our staff size to like 20 or 25 salespeople. These were interns, these were you know students, these were college students, I mean, seasoned salespeople. But the whole purpose for that is when we got these salespeople in, instead of just sending an email to, to our customers that, hey, Jester is here, you, you, know, you can't be with your, your loved one, you can't be with your special people because everyone was separated. I said, you know, I, we really put out this message where we picked the phone and we called all of our customers. And these were probably at the time about two or 3,000 customers. And we let them know Jester is here. 
center gesture. And we essentially grew that summer and probably during the 2020, during the pandemic, we grew about 1500%. And yeah, and we just, we essentially just exploded. And that was probably one of the, the, the hardest, but best decisions that I had ever made. And, and that's when I really you know, took myself from just having founder on my business card to actually CEO. That was a CEO type of call. Like, and, and that was one of those things where I, I kind of felt like, man, I actually had to, you know, roll the dice and, and the hope that this was going to work. Otherwise, I think at the time I, I knew about maybe 12 or 15 other startups that I had essentially that we had grown up together. They all are no longer in business. You know, they all failed that year. But yeah, so I mean, I just, I remember that was one of the best decisions that I ever made. And that was during the pandemic and, you know, and paid off quite a bit, actually. So here we are. Yeah. So I, I hear two things. Number one, I heard you say I, I, I pressed into growth when most people were, were running, you know, back, to conserve, yeah. um, which I think is a great mindset. I think growth mindset, it's it, you, if you think in growth mindset all the time, obviously you can't be irresponsible, but if you think in growth mindset, you're, you're never in conservation when, when people are, are uh, tightening things up, you're trying to take market share is generally what you just described that you did. And, and then the mm-hmm. second piece is, which I think is applicable to every single business listening is if you've got leads, you got customers, get on the phone. Yeah. You, can, you can, you can get on the phone. You can call, you can cold call the phone. The phone didn't turn off during the pandemic. Your customers mm-hmm. didn't, didn't go away. They were still there. And in fact, if anything, you were literally what they needed. Very similar to edible arrangements in the time where it's like, man, I can't mm-hmm. go. I can't go be with my buddies that we bowl with on Thursdays, or I can't go be with grandma mm-hmm. or I can't, whoever it was need to send them a gesture. So I just love not only that you were there for people during a very difficult time, but also that, that you made that call because I think that that call right there, that can be applicated or it can be yeah, applied to, to anybody listening right here today. They might be a little nervous about it, but I think they could hear it in your voice that maybe you were too. And that really anytime that you invest in sales, really, the the push the 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 literal manual let me go physically go get new customers is probably always for the most part going to pay off you can yeah, get the mess later <laughs> and that was the thing too yeah it's exactly right I mean we were a consumer to consumer we're not a B two B business you know and, well, not then we are now as well but you know that B two B came out of that decision as well but like yeah I mean we we were a consumer business I mean it's not often I mean how many times have you gotten a call from Uber or Lyft. And that's the same type of, you know, that's, those are our, that's our user base. You know, it said, how many times have DoorDash called you and said, Hey, do you want to order food? It was one of those gutsy things that, you know, is sort of unorthodox. It's not yeah. pretty, it's, it's not standard. It's not typical, but we did it and we made it, we did it in a way to where like customers were, were pretty happy to hear from us and that there was an option out there, you know, we're on demand. So it wasn't like, it was like a two or three day wait or later that day, or you got to order by two. I mean, we, we controlled the logistics side as well. So we were, we were out there delivering within 30 minutes to an hour. That's how fast we were able to get those, you know, those flowers, wine, champagne, whatever it is. And we delivered, we, we sort of pivoted a little bit and we started to deliver some care packages, you know, with, you know, whatever, whatever, uh, Clorox wipes were left in the stores. Like we, we did it all, man. I mean, it, was, it was pretty wild. Yeah. 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 Well, that, that's a, that's a great move to make in that moment, but your core business remains the same is that whether it's Clorox wipes or whether it's flowers, it's, it's a gesture. So I love that. Yep. Let's flip the coin. Ben, tell me about a bad decision. One that didn't go so well that we can learn from. Yeah. So I, I think it's, you know, I, I, there's quite a few that come to mind, but if I had to, you know, I, I think it was, 
you know, maybe I think it was just one of those things that I, I feel like it, that I guess would be considered a bad decision is, you know, I'm, I'm a big people person. I like to take care of people and make sure people are taken care of. And, you know, I think one of the things that I did is we, we probably were maybe a little too, we weren't conservative enough around like how we took care of our employees and knowing that we were still a startup and, you know, we, we provided too much, even with benefits in terms of like before the pandemic, I, I noticed, I'm just going to give you an example. So we, we had quite a few employees at the time and we were essentially paying for lunch and those sort of things. And, you know, I, I just didn't, you know, it's part of the war on talent that you want to like get good people and you want to retain right. them and those sort of things. But yeah. I, I just think that we sort of were maybe just a little too excessive with that at the time and, and thought that that's what people wanted and that's what they needed. But we didn't really get down to the core value of like why people were doing what they're doing. And, you know, yeah. maybe that wasn't really the most important thing. And we thought it was, and we were just sort of like burning unnecessary cash to try and keep people happy. And that's really not what they wanted, you know, when, when it came down to it, you know, when, when everyone had to go home and work from home, we weren't doing lunch and, and those things anymore. And they were probably just as happy, if not happy. Right. So, yeah, I think that's one. And, you know, the other, the other second thing that I've asked to that is just, I think it was just a matter of like not talking to people as often as we should as leaders and as managers and, and really not uncovering some of those, those things that the people are unhappy about or are happy with. You know, they always say, don't, don't take your eye off the people that are extremely happy. Just because they're happy, you should probably invest more time with them. So I think it was, those are sort of some of the mistakes that I can kind of like point out right from the very beginning that I would definitely, we, we, we've improved on, but definitely need to, if they're caught early enough, you can yeah. save yourself a lot of time and, and money. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. I can remember a, a pretty large organization that I worked for many years ago. And, you know, it just, it seemed like every little thing that you would do, it, then it became an expectation, right? So whether it's lunch or this or that, mm -hmm. or then now it just becomes normal. And then you had to level it up again, and again, and again, which it's not necessarily that you don't want to do that. But are we just leveling up with a bunch of stuff that people don't didn't really need or want anyway, when there's probably a greater some people probably wanted to work from home. Some people probably wanted a, a flexible schedule or, you know, the other things that matter in life more than, you know, lunch. Being yeah, it's like the intrinsic versus extrinsic value of what people really see. You know, some people are driven extrinsically and some people are driven extrinsically. And, you know, right. when you really understand that as a manager or a leader, you can take your people much further. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. Okay. What process do you have now as, you know, obviously CEO, as you said, but around making good decisions what what do you what do you what how do you make decisions now what process do you follow well i think you know everything is essentially calculated to a certain extent calculated decision making but i mean i think part of being a visionary is you gotta take risks you gotta be a big risk taker and decide how much you want to push the envelope and not being afraid of taking risks as they say scared money doesn't make money you know and, and at the same time like you know you've almost have to have a contingency plan in place to and, and not just sort of really rely on you know luck to a certain extent or but in terms of the decisions itself i mean you know there's I sometimes get caught up with the bright shiny lights of things and you know and, and, and we all. <laughs> too is 
Yeah, well, you got to be careful as a founder owner because you have the power to change anything. And being a yeah. product owner, is, as they say, if, if you really compare this to agile, sort of the methodology of agile when it comes to like project management, everything you do in an organization essentially has a sense of project management. So whether you're rolling out, you know, an ad campaign or you're rolling out paid ads or you're doing, you know, anything in general, technology you're building. You're the product owner and the product owner can technically come in and change anything. If you ever work for, let's just say a dev shop, which basically, you know, they're building a mobile application for a company that hired them. They always tell the product owner that, you know, you can come in and change this, but this is going to add time and it's going to add money. But sometimes when you're the internal product owner, you can come in and make those changes and those changes will throw everyone off, especially if there's a, a huge team. So in terms of making those changes, it's always involving the right people, asking for input. You know, sometimes you just got to do it. But I think it's important that it's depending on how large your team is or that you're including, you know, some of those changes in the team and along with the team and then the people that have those sort of key decision-making skills or factors. But, right. you know, I think it's just a matter of taking risks as well. So, I mean, I take a lot of risks. I, I push the envelope. You know, I think, yeah, I think one of the other things is, you know, I, 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 if there is a specific change that I really need to see done, that might mean that I might have to put in an extra eight hours at the end of the night to do it. And I'm the one who actually does it so that the example is set from the, from the, from the beginning. So yeah. it's kind of a, a, a whirlwind of an answer, but it's, it was good. It was really, really yeah. good, actually. And so I want to, I want to just, I want to give the listener a couple of takeaways from that because you're right. Um, especially about being the product owner. And then even like what you said there at the end, and sometimes you have to commit and you do it yourself, which isn't always necessarily the, the, the best option, but it's a have to option sometimes, especially to keep the team focused. And so the listener being a, you know, a pretty small shop, less than a million in revenue, generally speaking, you know, they probably shouldn't change a whole bunch really. And, and I've, in some of my startups, um, I, I, I had the same issue where you're, idea this and idea that and you're testing there's a difference between testing and then changing dramatic things and uh, but once you get something that's working you need to stay in that lane you need to like see it through um when that could mean you know like for a simple uh, you know electrician you stay with the same three service calls and you don't you don't go outside of that for the first million or for the first year and uh, i think that that even me personally i'm learning the value of that more and more because like you said you can come in and you can change anything at any time and you don't realize it that it's it's causing confusion in your team and it's mm-hmm. delaying, which is costing you more money. And then the, the last thing that you said there, as far as like sometimes just doing it yourself. Okay, so I understand that I want to change something. Fine, fair enough. But I can't give it to somebody right now because I'll, it'll confuse the team. It causes more time. I just need to get it done myself. There's a layer of that that is just ownership. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to go yeah. over to the speed round. The speed round questions will, will be a little bit different angle coming at you, but my my first one is in your business, obviously being a tech play and and this product that you're servicing across the country. What's the what's the most important KPI? What do you what would you track if you could only pick one thing? <laughs> Man, in this case, we are a for profit business, so I, I would I would I mean, if I had to start somewhere, it would be revenue, definitely. I mean, just uh, with revenue, you can sort of kind of tell it a different story based on, you know, user growth, you know, user acquisition, how many use daily users that you're adding to the, you know, customers, transactions. So I, if I had to choose one, it's probably revenue. I mean, that, that's probably what would be from, you know, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And you gave us several examples there of what flows after that for you. So I think that's super applicable. What book would you recommend, Ben, or maybe a resource for an entrepreneur who's trying to grow their business? Wow. 
Let's see here. I would probably, there's so many, um, zero to one is, is a great book, you know, a lean startup, just to sort of depending on the type of business that you're starting. But sure. I think the lean startup gives the very basics of like, you know, what, what you need is not it taught me a lot. I mean, really understanding MVP and you know what that means and yeah. Uh, or, you know, I would say probably one more, I'm sorry, blitz scaling would probably be another one by read just because. I mean, that's, that's what you want to do in a business early on, you know, it gives you the great examples of PayPal and everything else in terms of what they did. And, you know, so yeah, sorry, that was more than one, but (laughs) it's all good. You're over delivering, (laughs) over delivering. We'll put them all in the show notes so that people can easily get those. Those are all great recommendations. What do you think about intentionally networking or masterminding with other entrepreneurs? Oh yeah, it's crucial. Just to give you sort of an example, I have someone who's Close to me, a family member of mine, he started a business, started a company, tech company. He said he was driven based on like watching me do things. He's about 10 years younger than I am. But, you know, one of the things that him and I just sort of reconciled our relationship not too long ago, a couple weeks ago, actually, just because he learned a tough lesson by, by one being, I think, prideful, you know, and number two, not taking advantage of the resources that he had in front of him. You know, whether it was learning more about raising capital or, you know, making the same mistakes and especially that fact he was a tech startup. And so, you know, he, he came to, he he came to the table and said, Hey, it's one of the things that I noticed that I I need more help with, you know, relying on those that have actually done it or or that are doing it. And it's important to put yourself out there because you never know where it's going to come from. Right. And, and, you know, I'll be honest, I, I get invited to dinners and events all the time and, as busy as I am, there are times where I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go tonight, but I do. And there's just, you know, it's because it's a great group of people and, you know, other people can, I guess the thing that I'll end with is other people can see what you can when the, from the, when they're looking at it from the outside, looking in. If you think about it, like I'm in this office right now, I can't see down the hall other than what I see right in front of me, but even my peripheral view, I can't. But when someone is standing in the hallway looking in and say, hey, Ben, come outside there's something at the end of the hall that's great. They can see a bunch more stuff that I can't. And so that sometimes outside perspective is, is what's, what's needed. And you can apply that to anything, especially networking uh, and, and really just reaching out to resources. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. One thing that you just said that it, it likened in my brain to something that I've said recently about just fitness and working out is just about like, I'm all, I'm, <clears throat> I'm never disappointed that I do it right? Like always beforehand, it's always 530 when the alarm says, get up and work out where I'm, you know, that version of myself is like, nah, not today. You're tired. You don't feel good. You were up late last night mm-hmm. working, whatever the excuses we had, you know, baby crying, you know, whatever. But the 7am the version of me is like, man, I'm so glad I did that. And so it's the same thing that you just said with networking, creating relationships, really, it's, it's never the dinner that you want to go and put the effort into, but it's the relationships later that came from that. You're like, man, I'm so glad I did that. Yeah, because you just, but you also got to make, you got to, you also have to essentially apply a sense of control of what you're looking for yeah. from, you know, the, because I mean, there are times where, you know, I may travel to go see my parents in Colorado. They live in Denver and I might go see them. And I work from one of the WeWorks that are out there. because that's, that's where we work out from, from here. And I'll, 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 I, I'll, what I'll do is basically make an event of something there where I might go talk to the front desk and the leads there and say, Hey, do you mind if I sponsor a happy hour tomorrow? Nothing planned. Just want to buy a couple of bottles of wine, throw some gesture signs up, 
give away some t-shirts, nothing crazy. And they're like, yeah. Right. And then basically people walk up, grab some chips and dip and some wine. And, you know, I grew up and give a shirt away here, but we might end up walking away with 50 downloads. It cost us 75 bucks. Right. And so right. it's about making the opportunity out of every opportunity that's there. You're, you're making something out of it. You know, you're, yeah, you're finding cool. a way on how to apply your business towards that. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I love it. Okay. I got one last question here for you, Ben. If you could whisper in the younger Ben's ear, what would you say? Get out of people's way. Yeah. Get, get out of people's way. And I think there's a, there's a time and a place for that as you go through your entrepreneurial journey. Yes. At the very beginning, you're doing everything yourself. But I think one of the things that, you know, at least for me, is that even now we're at a point where I have, for instance, a chief sales officer, I have, you know, a chief marketing officer, I, I have people that are in these roles of decision making, they're hired because they have a skill set. Sometimes I find myself getting in their way at times. And there's one guy in particular that he, you know, when I hired him, and it was a sales role. And I, and I said, Hey, you know, how many phone calls are people making? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, you're a CEO. And I'm going to say how he said it, but he said, why are you asking me how many phone calls these people are essentially making? Go out and do what you need to do. Let me take care of that. And let me do what I, what you brought me in here to do. Stop asking, you know, first tier level questions and, and go out and be a, be a freaking CEO. And I was just like, holy cow. So I think it's just, getting out of the way and letting people do what they need to do and yeah. still never taking your eye off of it completely. But no. um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crucial. So at that point, like, yeah, get out of your own way to succeed. So, yeah. Yeah. It's super it. powerful. And you gave such a great example there. I think that even in organizations that I've worked with, with some pretty big names, those are the type of questions, you know, that were being asked low level, Tier one, as you said, and it's difficult so because that person that you it's so hard to let go, man. It oh, is. Man, but to you your point, to, to your point now, Ben, the guy that that guy that challenged you on that, because I was in that situation, and if you can't, because if you bring in that guy, you know, the younger version of me who was that guy, um, mm -hmm. he's capable. And why'd you bring him in if you want to exactly. if you want to over look over his shoulder for a four hundred dollar decision? Oh, no, man. And it's, it's one of the toughest things that I, my guy, I had to understand the process of letting people do their thing. And they probably wouldn't do it the same way I would because I've always been a sales guy. I know what sales is all about. And I'm, I still sell to this day, right? But I mean, it's, it's one of the toughest things to, to do as a leader, especially like this being your baby. Like, you know, no yeah. one cares. There's, I always say there's two things that people don't really understand is you, you protect your business and you protect your family. You know, those are the two things that, you know, when, when you have this, like that's, that's what you're essentially kind of. It's the survival know, mode in you for sure. Yeah. And so like, you can't, you can't control everything. So it's yeah. But yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. Good stuff, man. Well, how can the listener find you? Obviously, I'm sure we can download the gesture app, but give us all the details on how to find the app, how to find you as an entrepreneur. Maybe they want to reach out, that type of thing. Definitely. So, of course, you can download the app in the the Apple Store as well as on Google Play. We're on both. And check out the website, gesture.vip. We named it VIP because everyone's a VIP. The way we look at it, get that's a VIP. But ultimately, I'm on, I'm on about every single social platform you can really think about. But um, just message me on LinkedIn. You know, my, my email is ben at gesture.vip. Feel free to email me there or 
you know, hit me up on LinkedIn. But yeah, just, I'm, I'm a sociable person. I love people. So yeah. always, always willing to, to take some time and help and, you know, set aside the time. Typically, I actually take time on Saturdays as sort of a way for me to give back and sit down with some newer entrepreneurs, people that are thinking about an idea, you know, sometimes I poke holes in those ideas. I used to be on the investor, on the investor side, I used to do investing and, you know, I had a fund at one point before the pandemic. So I know all about the sort of what the VCs look for and, you know, I can, I can be a good, sort of a good resource for that. So yeah, always willing to help. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, Ben, you've been been incredible. Thank you for just your time and of course the knowledge and just the just the opportunity to hear your story and and of course just an awesome business. I think that's you're you're only seeing the beginning of of what you guys are going to be able to accomplish with your business. So that's super exciting. Thank you for being here. We wish you nothing but blessing on you, your family, your business, your team, the whole deal. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.